Welcome to the weekly Parsha Shir to our class on the weekly Torah portion. Uh, today's class is a little bit different because I'm speaking to an empty room. Nobody's here. I'm telling you that so that you don't think my jokes are bombing. Um, so we are joining together, not in physical proximity because of the situation right now with taking precautions about coronavirus, uh, but through the wonders of modern technology, many thousands are virtually here for this class. And uh, we welcome you all. There was once in the Alta Heim, in the old country, there was a guy who used to uh, go from town to town, from shtetl to shtetl, and uh, begging with a sob story. He said that in his town where he came from, there was a fire, and his, his house burnt down, he became penniless. So he came to this town and he said, uh, he said his story, he lost everything in a fire, and they said, wow, that's a rough story, um, we'd like to help you out, but, you know, we want to make sure that this is legitimate. Do you have a letter from your rabbi from your town that corroborates that this is indeed what happened? He says, yes, I do have such a letter. However, unfortunately, that was one of the things that was lost in the fire. This week, Parshish Vayakel. Vayakel means he gathered, Moshe gathered the Jewish people to tell them about what? Primarily the building of the Mishkan, the sanctuary which the Jews brought with them for 40 years in the desert. However, before Moshe speaks about the building of the Mishkan, there's just a couple of lines where Moshe speaks about the mitzvah of Shabbos, of observing the Sabbath. And when Moshe relates to the Jewish people the mitzvah of keeping Shabbos, he tells them specifically about one of the forbidden labors. The third verse of this week's Parsha. Loi sevaru esh, they shall not, or you shall not, plural, kindle fire. Behold Meshvei in all of your dwelling places, Bayeim HaShabbos on the day of Shabbos, on the day of rest. You shall not kindle fire. You shall not make a flame to burn, to, uh, to kindle flame. So it's interesting. What is this prohibition? What is the labor of making a fire? The Lamavitcher Rebbe, on the first Yortzeit of his Rebbetzin, Rebbetzin Chayim Mushke, in the year Tovshin Mem Tes, Rebbetzin was uh, was nostalgic Tovshin Mem Ches. First Yortzeit was the following year Mem Tes, 1989, and on the Yortzeit, the Rambam for that day, the Rebbe instituted a cycle of studying the Rambam every day three chapters, or at least one chapter in order to finish once every three years, but three chapters to finish the Rambam at once every year. The cycle of daily Rambam that year on the Yort site was Hilchas Shabbos <coughs> in the Mishnah Torah. And in the laws of Shabbos, in the Rambam's laws of Shabbos, chapter 12, he begins by explaining the parameters of the prohibition of kindling a flame on Shabbos. What does the Rambam tell us? The Rambam tells us, Hamavir kolchehu, somebody who kindles even the smallest flame, chayov, he is, he is obligated, meaning he has transgressed against the prohibition, 
However, with, with a stipulation, But it is only if he needed the ash. In other words, it is not if the kindling was done in a destructive manner, if he was burning just to destroy things, because Shabbos labors have to be productive or constructive, not destructive. So in order for the kindling of the flame to be considered a, a, a prohibition, it has to have some constructive value. Now, what's the classic scenario? If you light a flame for heat or for warmth, that's obviously productive. But what if it's not for heat or for warmth? Then the way that it can still be constructive is if he needs the afer, the ash. He's burning something, not to get rid of it, but to turn it into the form that he needs, that he needs the ash. So it's an interesting concept that in order for kindling the flame on Shabbos to be considered a form of constructive labor, it has to be that the person is trying to produce ash, he wants the ash. Now what does he want it for? I don't know, maybe he wants to make charcoal toothpaste, maybe he's making a tint or a dye, it doesn't matter. The point is that labors on Shabbos must be productive and constructive, not destructive, and therefore in the case of kindling the flame, he needs to want the ash that it produces in order for it to be considered the labor. Now, what can we learn from this? We know that all of the labors that are forbidden on Shabbos, all 39 forms of labor, are derived from the fact that those were acts entailed in building the Mishkan, building the sanctuary. That's in microcosm. In macrocosm, what that means is that as we make the entire world into a great sanctuary, a dwelling place, a dira le'isbarich, a dwelling place for Hashem in this world. So the acts, the productive acts that we don't do on Shabbos, they are acts of refining the physical world, of interfacing and integrating with physicality as souls in bodies, interacting with the world around us, and refining it Six days you shall work, and the seventh you shall rest. It's not just the resting on the seventh day that's the mitzvah. The six days you shall work is also the mitzvah. And this is the same in the timeline of history. Six millennia, we're refining the world, we're, we're engaged in the world. And the seventh millennium, the, 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 the Yem Shekulei Shabbos, the Messianic era, is a time when we stop engaging in the world because the world has already been perfected. So there's this idea of work or labor being an act of refining the world to make the world a dwelling place for Hashem. That we do six days a week. And then the seventh day, we let it go. We just let the world be as it is. And so too, <clears throat> in history, there is the, the, the time of Gullus, of exile, when we're in the world, still working with, with the world, still refining it. And then there's the long Shabbos of the Messianic era, when Mashiach comes, when the world is as it needs to be, and we're, we're no longer refining it. So the idea here is <clears throat> that 
an act which is prohibited on Shabbos is prohibited precisely because it is something that refines the world. So we have to sort of switch our, our thinking here a little bit because normally when we, when we talk about a, a prohibited act on Shabbos, we think about it as a negative thing. But that's only negative if you're doing it on Shabbos. The rest of the six days of the week, a malacha, a labor, a constructive act, is actually something that makes the world more refined and brings it closer to its purpose of being a dwelling place for Hashem in this world. Okay, so now here's the question. What constitutes a productive or constructive form of lighting fire on the personal level, in terms of Avedis Hashem, one's personal service of God Almighty? What does it mean to be Mava'esh, to kindle a flame? And what does it mean, Mava'esh Kol Shehu, to kindle a flame, even a minimal one, even, a t even the tiniest bit? The flame refers to inspiration. As we all know, however, inspiration is fleeting. It's not about getting inspired, it's about what you do with your inspiration. It's what you do, or decide to do, while you're inspired. So, the question is, is there any value to being a little inspired? Maybe you're inspired for a moment, so it's just limited in time. Or maybe you're inspired about a particular mitzvah in Yiddishkeit, so it's really only about a particular thing, about it's limited in its, in its focus. Is there any value to that? And what's the answer? Sure there's value. Provided you need the ash. Provided you need the ash. What does that mean? When fire consumes something, you know that there's the, the, the principle of the conservation of matter and energy. That matter and energy can't be created or destroyed. So matter can become energy. It transforms into energy. When you burn something, you turn the matter into energy, you turn it into heat and into light. Heat and light are intangible, they're spiritual. You can't touch them. What's left behind after that transformation is the ash. The ash is the stuff that stays physical. In other words, after the fire, after the inspiration has gone, what physical remnants are left behind? In other words, how valuable is fire, meaning inspiration, only as valuable, or we should say, how productive, how much refining power does it have in making the world a dwelling place for Hashem, only as much as it leaves behind ash, a physical remnant. You see, in Judaism, it's not about feeling. It's about what you do with the feeling. It's about physical action. It's about souls and bodies. I mentioned that the Rebbe gave this teaching on the yurt site of his, of his Rebbetzin. 
And the Rebbe spoke about this specifically in connection to the idea of a yortzeit. That on a yortzeit we're commemorating that a soul finished its work in the body and moved into higher realms. But we who are left here in this physical world who still have our bodies, we have a chance to do something on behalf of the soul that no longer has its body. The focus of Judaism is in the physical world. Not the fire, the energy, the excitement of Judaism as so, so much as the ash, the physical remnant, what the physical uh, results that are left behind through the act. The Alter Rebbe, when he came to Mezrich, was paired with his Rebbe, the Magid's own son, Eskavrusa. The, the Magid had a son, Rebbe Avram, and they called him the Malach, the angel, and he was angelic. He was a very, very spiritual person. He was totally divorced from things of the physical world. He barely ate, barely slept. In fact, he was in a trance-like state most of the time, to the extent that when he was learning with the Alter Rebbe, when the Alter Rebbe was enjoying the lesson, they used to trade off. When the Alter Rebbe came to Mezrich, he was already an expert in, rev in the revealed uh, aspects of Torah, in the, in the legalistic, in the Talmudic, in the halachic areas of Torah. So they used to trade off. The Alter Rebbe would teach Nigla, he would teach the Talmudic law to the Malach, and the Malach, the, the Magad's son, would teach him the mystical, the spiritual, the, the Chsidis. The, uh, the Nister of Torah. So when the Alt Rebbe was particularly enjoying a mystical lesson from the Malach, it was very simple to get the lesson to continue. He would just get up and he would set the clock back and uh, the, the, the Malach was oblivious and he would continue teaching. He would, he would think that <laughs> time hadn't passed. There was one time when they were studying and they were both very deeply moved by what they were learning. And the Alter Rebbe saw that the Malach was actually in danger of having Kloisa Nefesh, that's expiration of the soul. That what he was learning was so spiritually enthralling that his soul was going to just leave his body. The Alter Rebbe was prepared for this, however. And he had brought to the Chavrusa, to the study session, a buttered bagel. A buttered bagel, okay, we're talking about in Mezrich. In those days, a buttered bagel was a real delicacy, a real indulgence. Not just a bagel, a bagel mit putter, with butter. And the Alter Rebbe, slowly, carefully, he got up, and he brought the Malach over with him to the sink, and they washed their hands in the Tilas Yadayim, and made the bracha, and came over and made hamaitzi, and ate the piece of bagel with butter. Why did, why did they do that? to draw themselves back into physicality so that they wouldn't lose themselves. What do we see from this? We see that inspiration, that excitement, that spiritual bliss and, and having this uh, otherworldly experience, heightened states of consciousness, it's all well and good, but it's not the point of Judaism. It's not an attainment. It's nothing to brag about. Ultimately, it's not about the fire, it's about the ash. It's not about the inspiration, it's what you do. It's the physical remnant that's left behind after the inspiration. And that means practical mitzvahs, things that engage the physical world. So we have to be very exceedingly careful to remember 
the importance of physicality, the importance of our bodies. It's sad to mention, but the Malach passed away at a very young age. He was 47 years old when he passed away. And all of his life, his father, the Magid, used to beg him to take care of his health. There's a famous Hasidic saying, many people are aware of the saying, they might not know the origins. It's actually something that the Magid used to tell his son, Rabbi Avram, the Malach. He used to tell him that a kleina lechele in guf, a little hole in the body, is a greisaloch in the neshama, is a big hole in the soul. A little hole in the body. When you cause yourself health problems by neglect, that's not just a, a physical issue. Because the Jew ultimately is a soul married to a body. And Torah was given to us in the physical world to do mitzvahs, which are physical actions, with our bodies. And when somebody neglects the physical aspect of, of life, this isn't something, this isn't spirituality, it's not true spirituality. To the, to the contrary, it's a stira, it's in contradiction to true spirituality because he undercuts his ability to be truly spiritual. Which, what does that mean to be truly spiritual? To do something here in this world, something productive that makes the world a more refined place, that makes the world a dwelling place for Hashem. I think this is especially important to remember right now. The Alter Rebbe said, We have to live with the time. Living with the time means to find within our Torah portion each week something relevant that speaks to us in our day and age. Rebbe Sai, my dear friends, this is not a joke. Whatever we're told to do for the sake of our health or the health of others, if you don't care about yourself, at least care about others is not a joke. And it's not something that we do instead of regular Judaism. This is Judaism. In fact, it's the ultimate form of Judaism. Take care of your body. A small hole in the body makes a big hole in the soul. The Malach, the, 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 the Magid begged the Malach to pay attention to his body. I'll tell you, when the Alter Rebbe had children, he named his son, one of his sons, after the, the Magid. He named the, the Mitle Rebbe, his eventual successor was named Daivber. Another son was named Moshe. But the son, one son he named after the Malach, he named him Chaim Avram. He didn't name him Avram. The Malach's name was Avram, he named him Chaim Avram. Why? Because Avram, the Malach, passed away at a young age. Chaim means life. The Alter Rebbe wanted that he should have the spirituality of the Malach, of his, of his Chavrosa, his beloved friend. But he wanted it to be Chayim, the Chaybohem, life in the physical world with a robust and healthy physical body. Not spurning and ignoring physicality as if that were some type of spiritual attainment. No, because to the contrary, the ultimate spirituality is in the body. And this is what we learn. That what is fire when is fire productive? When, it is a, when is it a malacha, a constructive labor that refines the world? When you need the ash. When it 
produces something physical, when it leaves something physical behind. All the spirituality in the world is garnished that it's worthless if it doesn't leave behind something physical. And that means the physical acts that we perform with our bodies, with healthy, robust, intact bodies that we take care of. Everyone should stay safe and be careful. And remember, the most spiritual thing you can do is to take care of your body so that you can do your mission here in this physical world.